Perfect. Now we're officially recording. Um, so yeah, from uh, from our previous conversation, we you and I were kind of um, ranting, yelling at the internet a little bit, uh, discussing uh, training environments and kind of the advantages, disadvantages of those. Um, so just want to kind of dive a little deeper into um, what some of your history was as far as like the training environments you've been in, um, some of the positives and negatives you've seen, and uh, we can expand that out into even training with partners. Yeah, man. I think it's interesting. I think it was last week or something like that. I was looking at um, Elite FDS put out that that post about training partners. I don't know if you saw that. So I think it, like this, it's perfect timing for this whole conversation. I think it's probably why we went into a bit of a rant on it as well. <laughs> but um, I mean, I come from from obviously from South Africa, and I was fortunate enough to be exposed to a gym environment that was not the typical gym environment in South Africa. And I think not the typical gym environment around the world. I think you'll understand that obviously training where you train as well. Like those little like hidden gems, like those make people very different and different athletes usually, you know, around the the sport of powerlifting is kind of where we tend to see it because it's not glamorous. It's not, you know, it's not sexy. It's hot. There's powder everywhere. There's no air con. It's like when we, we had aircon in the gym for the first time, I was like, what is this? This is heaven. But coming back to that. So, you know, I, uh, I sought out the facility that I started working or started training at and then started working at um, purely because of the person who was running the strength and conditioning. And it was purely to try and improve my Olympic weightlifting, which in itself then brought me into powerlifting. And little did I know, at the time, the head trainer there, which is a strength and conditioning coach by the name of Joshua Capazorio, um, him and his best mate, Darren Anthony. So Darren Anthony actually went to the Olympics for South Africa in 2012, if I remember correctly. He represented B's section for Olympics in weightlifting in like the 77s or something. And his dad and his uncle were kind of the founders of um, powerlifting and if you were to call it a hybrid model of powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting in South Africa, they started off in um, one of the university campuses, kind of like storerooms, almost like a a storeroom type of um, garage. And they kind of built this dungeon. It's just, it was hot. It was bricked. It was, it was just, it was a nightmare. There was no fans. You sweated your balls off and like, they come from original powerlifting. And I say original powerlifting from what I mean by it's like equipped lifting. So um, Darren's f- uncle, if I remember correctly, was one of the first, and at the time, other than the animal that we now have in South Africa named Nicholas Dupree, I don't know if you've ever seen him, but he was the first person to squat over 400 in South Africa. He squatted 425 um, wraps and suit in competition landed up like losing his vision for like three weeks and like, like, like properly, properly messed up. But that kind of brings me to the point of like, that's the mentality and the thought process of the people that, you know, instilled that into the next generation. Then I kind of came up underneath those trainers or those people training in the gym had interactions with both Rodney and um, Darren as well. Like that's who I trained with. 
And it was just the atmosphere that they were brought up in and they instilled that into the next generation in the gyms. You know, yeah, we, we were a little, a gym that was a little bit fancier than the brick shit house at the university gym. Like, you know, yeah, the closet. It's like, we had aircon. It's like, this was the most amazing thing in the world. Like we never trained with aircon on because it was almost like a luxury. It's like it, the area that the gym was in was a, um, a wealthier area. So that was always an interesting one trying to, adopt these true meathead powerlifting um, tactics of just like getting used to it and being uncomfortable to you know the 5am mom's class that was kind of enjoying their strength training if you know what I mean so that's kind of like the environment that I was brought up in and, and it was like I was training with or alongside like Darren so he's an Olympian Josh was like a 105 um South African weightlifter as well, powerlifting squatted, I think his best in comp was like 325 for all, a single at 105 or whatever it was. Like, it, it's just like these people that I had around me were just fucking animals. So it's like I was this 18-year-old, didn't know what the fuck I was doing, kid who walked into this gym and just like I was just made, made to hurt all the time. But like in a positive manner, if that makes sense. That's probably yeah. why I have a bad hip. But <laughs> you're like, oh, it's bad easy. hips, putting it lightly. <laughs> bad hips, putting it lightly. But I mean, so that environment to me molded me. It's like every Friday, no matter what cycle you were in, and eventually like the whole, we, like we built up a powerlifting team. We had an Olympic weightlifting team there. And it just became known that like Fridays was max out days or heavy lift days, or even if it was your your know your heavy repped type days like everyone came into the gym at 2 2 3 p.m some of the guys maybe 3 30 after work and like you the environment in the gym was just like everyone's here to work everyone's here to make sure it happens and like you'd be doing you know maybe 80 percent of your five by five it's like if you were hyping yourself up that's it it's like the whole gym got behind you every single person was training there was like hyping you on getting you going it's like and that that's invaluable when you are doing things that you shouldn't be doing to your body. Like you're, you're lifting weights, the submaximal, sometimes, you know, maximal, um, you're putting your body through so much strain and stress and an environment that it just shouldn't be going through. Sometimes it's like having that guy who was an Olympian shout at me and tell me to stop being a little bitch and get out of the bar. Like, I got under the bar and I squatted my PB or I did my work or I made it happen. It's like, that's not, you can't teach that. I, I, you know, you see that from your environment and with the way that you train at your place. Yeah. And, and, you know, part of that, it's, I think there's definitely a psychological factor of it. Like you were mentioning with your coach that it takes, it takes you out of your headspace and you're focused on something outside of yourself. Even if it's just your coach saying, stop being a bitch and do it. But like it's taking that self-doubt that you might have or worry or nervousness or anything. And it's it takes you out of your head where now you're focused on, you know, even, even something like that, where it's like an external mantra and that becomes your focus outside of just where your headspace was. And um, a couple things I wanted to kind of touch on is first off, it's rare that I ever hear somebody that went from Olympic weightlifting into powerlifting 
like sometimes it'll be vice versa but like yeah. where my, where my mind went with that was like i want to try like not have to try it as hard <laughs> it was basically i would basically went around and it's like i'm already squatting and deadlifting because i'm doing clean like i do maximal cleans or something like that and my coach was just like hey there's a powerlifting comp in like three weeks time are you keen and i was like I don't know. Like, do I have to do this one overhead? And he's like, no, no snatching. I was like, okay, we'll try. My bench was horrific. It's the, one of the worst comps. Well, not worst comps. I qualified for like SA champs through that comp. But um, I, don't know, I squatted, I don't know. Dude, I was light. I was like 74 <laughs> kilos. I was a stick. I was a stick and I had like started growing a beard for some random reason. Um, and I, th- I must have squatted like 180. I think I benched just on 100 because I didn't know what benching was. Um, and I think I pulled like 220 or something stupid like that. Yeah, weird, like, weird how bench press isn't regular rotation in all the programs. No, no, no. But- all, all we knew is like bench pressing just made your snatch so shit. It's like you want to tear <laughs> your shoulder off? It's like add bench press. Um, that, that's how that worked. But yeah, that like... You know, as you were going through it, two things that stuck out to me was just that, like playing in my head, but then also the environment of no AC. I think that's something that just kind of runs through these places. Because with with my training history, where I originally started, it was um, with athletics, and so I started training with the team, and that's really where I like first learned about it. And and something that came with training for athletics and training with that team is it was all very, very regimented on a time schedule. Cause whether it was summer weights or whether it was a um, weightlifting class, cause fortunately both junior high and high school had weightlifting classes that we could take for academic credit. Um, but I you know, done so well in school, if I was at that school, but they were, you know, they were all very regimented where you had 45 minutes essentially to get this done. And like, get in, get out, get ready to go to the next class. So with that, it kind of, it forced us to say, fuck off to rest periods and just like go through a three person rotation. But with that, it also helped develop some accountability because you, I looked at it as the group you were with, you were responsible for not just you getting it done, but them getting it done. Cause if they were slacking off that it's not, it's not like, oh, they're slacking off, but I'm doing it. It's like, no, my team's fucking failing. And yep. and so, you know, with that, it kind of developed some camaraderie that, hey, you, it's not just you. You have to, like, push your group to get this done, too, because if they're slacking off, it takes away from your workout as well. And so with that, you know, um, I kind of developed in that environment and then back and forth switched over between going from team training to just training by myself a lot of times after athletics and in and out of commercial gyms. And then recently more so have found kind of found my home here in Topeka at uh, strength guild and something you and I were connecting on was just talking about talking about the environment that's created with some of these settings. Cause having no say AC, like a, a breeze through the open doorway is, it's heaven. It's heaven. Yeah. <laughs> you might get lucky that um that it's hot enough that you get to go over to one of the fans and because you're soaked in sweat it's cooling you a little bit um but but there was something that 
really stuck out in our conversation was um, it's not necessarily a team mentality because every everybody's there working out, but it's it's a supportive mentality. Um, whereas, you know, with with performance based, it, it really, truly was a team because we had that goal to go. We're going to go play together. Whereas, again, I say not necessarily a team mentality in a way. Sure, it can be, but just different from what I grew up with. But it, it is very, very much a supportive environment of when somebody has a hard lift. It doesn't matter if it's a if it's a PR or if it's it's just something that they need to focus on that they get the ox cord, they get to choose whatever song they want turned up, the whole gym kind of just stops, no matter where you're at in the gym, like stops, kind of migrate slowly over to the area, um, is supportive, cheering, like whatever, watches the lift, and then as soon as it's done, music goes down, song changes, everybody kind of disperses and goes back, but every single lift, it's like that, that it comes back together and you know, it's, it's just seconds of people's time to watching this lift, but, but to have that environment, it's, it's something that if you've never experienced, it's unlike anything else. And especially people that have only come up in commercial gyms, that that's, that's not something that you're going to find in that environment. And, you know, most of the time you have, you have a friendship, you have relationships with people in these environments, because it's, it's so much more than I'm going to the, like in a commercial setting, I'm going to a gym, headphones on, working out by myself and then in and out where like your rest periods are bullshitting with people on the side or, you know, that shared suffering of it's no way. Yeah. yeah, just uh, that, that's probably the common theme across all these is just that shared suffering. And, and like you said, it, it's of generations past implementing that and then, generation to generation it, it's kind of their responsibility or should I kind of see it as a goal to carry that forward because it is it is such a representation of the origins of where powerlifting came from or just where garage gym came came from you know it's a bunch of people that just want to work hard nothing fancy and and we lose that in a sense to commercial gyms and everything they have their place and they have their purpose but if you can find those diamonds in the roughs in cities, like it, it's so amazing. And, and um, it really stuck out to me because I've, I've been so entrenched in my gym currently that recently I went to elite FTS and um, met Dave Tate trained with uh, Sam Brown and something that came across on that Saturday, whenever I went there, it was the exact same thing that yep. everybody that whenever somebody had a hard lift, music went up the song that they wanted the gym kind of came together there there weren't any like no questions or like discussions over shit like people just knew and there's a different feel and a different energy to that of like okay well now i'm gonna spot this uh geared power lifter that is squatting 700 and i'm already first off geared powerlifting is terrifying it's my first time ever spotting it or yeah ever i love spotting it. it i am so obsessed with it I was already parallel before this dude lifted off the rack and, and like, it's so much weight, but also if you miss groove, there's no grinding it out. You're done. Like were were you spotting a squat or or a bench squat? squat. Yeah. As soon as you, you you can see it, it, 
the nice thing with I find with geared powerlifting is like, and I suppose if you're around the sport long enough, you start to pick it up. It's like you know where they're gonna fail. It's like you you know as a lifter, like I know most raw squatters, like they're gonna fail after that quarter out of the hole. It's either out of the hole or it's like as they hit the hole, they're gonna buckle. So it's like mm-hmm. I know what what to anticipate for. Geared powerlifting is completely different because that suit pops like things are different that suit shoots the hips out things are different like it's just and we're now talking tonnages that are not you know they're not like 200 kilos 250 it's like no we're, we're talking some big weights coming down on you and it's not fun when that shit happens it really isn't no not at all like it it was definitely an experience but it, it was a new one for me and and Part of what helped that introduction, though, was that environment of like, you know, there were four of us on the squat, spotting it, just getting ready. And and again, there was there wasn't necessarily a discussion that had to no. been happen. It was just like, OK, we're all in this together. If, if this fucks up, we're all, <laughs> we're all going down. To, but you know what that is? It's like this unspoken I think it comes down to the suffering like we're talking about. It's like it's unspoken bond of like everyone pitches in. You just, it it just happens. No one rings a bell or is like, let's get together guys and cheer Johnny on. It's like, it just, you know, the the guy's doing whatever he needs to do to kind of get ready for his lift. He's getting under the bar. It's like the spotter just arrives. Like your main guy behind you just arrives. It's like someone's, you know, back at our gym, it was kind of allowed, like, someone would make sure that the camera was rolling. For example, it sounds so stupid. No, but it's but like someone would make sure that someone has hit the record on the camera because it's a training. Like we need to know these types of things. So it, it takes all the pressure off the lifter to just lift. And I think that environment, like that's what, what breeds champions. It's like, think about shallow and boss. Boss has got the same environment. Boss, everyone knows like when you start squatting big weights, it's like you're in the yellow, uh, the orange squat rack, the power rack in the corner. It's like that's Dan's rack, but that's where like stupid weights get thrown down there. Like, well, that's what happens. So I think it's a universal, I would, would like to think it's a universal old school strength culture because that's, that's the only correlation I can see behind it. Because you walk into these commercial gyms and it's like you can have strong people there but it's, it's not the same. It's, it's fluff is the way that I would kind of look at it. Yeah. And, and I, I like that you put it like that, where it's a, it's a strength culture that's, it's shared across states. It's shared across countries because it's, it's just a mentality that kind of comes with that style of training. And another big point that, you know, I hadn't even really thought too deep into until you mentioned it, it, it really is a representation of the focus for that one lifter for that one lift each time, because there, there are little factors that go into it. Like it at, at our gym, the, the lifter is not the one turning up the music They're you know, they're not the one recording. Like that one stuck out to me. Cause a lot of times I'm the one that's recording for people Good. because yeah. I'm the that's most, a- you're hundred percent right. It's like, I knew, I, I used to know probably not now, like I haven't spoken them, but it's like my training partners, like I knew what songs they needed 
for like their different stages of like their working sets. So it's like if they were one out from a top like single, it's like I knew Josh would need like Wild Eyes from Parkway Drive. Like I just knew. Like that's the song. And then it'd be like, hey Josh, Wild Eyes. You'd be like, yeah, sweet. And like I I would start it. And I knew like when to start it. Like as that last rap had been tightened up and like someone had pulled him up to put his belt on, it's like I would start the song. It sounds so stupid. And like people who have never been immersed into that culture would think that this is a complete, it's a cult. It is a cult. Let's be honest. (laughs) At the end of the day, it's a cult. But it's like, that's what it takes. It's like you're moving. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's it. And then you get the the power, the uh, equipped powerlifting dudes hanging around like fucking bats. Just like like stretching around. Do you see that at Elite? um yeah solid elite and then uh <laughs> phil just got a new suit i'll have to send you the video of you gotta send just me the hanging video. from the mono um but yeah it's you know again it, it goes back that it's it's just a mentality that comes with it because none of this shit's ever talked about like we have we have a whole playlist just of people's like songs that they like the song their go-to songs for their heavy lifts we have a whole playlist of just yep each individuals it's all on there and like anytime anytime uh like i have i have a heavy one or like i just need need to like tunnel vision get focused yeah whoever like anybody i'm talking to i'm like just play violence (laughs) but that's exactly it it's and it's funny though because i think at the time we don't think about this and it's cool to like reflect on it i think so i now that i've like I train in more of a commercial gym setting, I guess, because I'm, you know, I'm not really in the powerlifting sport anymore. I still look for that environment though. It's like, mm-hmm. I think we were having the discussions, like when I moved up here, it's like I did what I call gym whoring and I go around to any and every gym I can find and I'll train like one or two sessions there. It's like, I need to feel the vibe. I need to feel like it's just a feeling. It's just a, it's, it's an objective measure that comes from subjective like feelings. Like mm-hmm. you just know that this is the gym. Like people work hard here. It's like, I don't want to walk in and see people fucking around and like pussy footing it around. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't light me up. And it's the same thing as like the gym can have the best equipment in the world. It's like, it's dead. It's quiet. It's like people have all got their headphones in and just, I don't want that. I want community. And I think that's what we all talk about. It's like, it's a strength community and it's a culture that only the oldest of old school so like the dave tates and all that and it'd be pretty cool to like mention this to him at some stage it's like hey man it's like you do you ever realize like what you guys have done because i i 100 tell you that that culture that i experienced in south africa at the yard athletic there'll be a drip feed that came from something that dave like someone it was probably rodney or anthony like read articles from dave and like, or met them at what probably one of the world powerliftings. Like that, that's probably where it all comes from. It's like they they they've competed in South Africa a few times, and like this, you know, strength culture from an uh, equipped powerlifting perspective was huge in South Africa and is still big in South Africa. So it's like I wouldn't be surprised if the OGs of powerlifting have got a hand in the fact that they created that culture in South Africa and created that culture all around the world. Like that's where it is. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it is interesting to reflect upon it because it's, it's a culture that's created that 
you know, a lot of times you'll hear that powerlifting or like strength pursuits is selfish and maybe in a sport it is, but also if like the things we're talking about right now, it's so supportive and so focused towards the lifter because, because even those small little things that we discussed of turning the music on, of making sure somebody's recording of like just migrating to spot. So they don't even have to, they don't have to ask or call somebody like all that is to support that one lift and that one person in that moment. There's never discussion about it. There's even in its, it's taking away any other variable that the lifter might have to think about so they can focus just on that lift so they can get in the headspace that they need to and they don't have to worry about anything else but completing and executing the lift in that moment and it's again it's it's not necessarily something i think we're aware of at the time but it's really neat being able to reflect on it and kind of point out all these things of of strength culture really can be a supportive culture and like it, it can create an environment unlike anything else that you'll find. Yeah. It, it's such a selfish pursuit of strength, but at the same time, it's so communal. It's like you, you, you have the team. It's a one person sport, but it's like, you have your team. It's like, you know, when we went to meet and it's like, I know Dave's spoken about this a couple of times and you'll know, like with Phil and it's like, if you go to a meet or if like a, the members from your gym are, are competing. It's like, you've got a team that goes with you. It's like, you'll have someone who handles you on the day, at least one person. You'll usually have, like, if we went to meets, it's like we had a whole, the whole gym arrived, whether you were competing at that meet or not. And it's like, they were there to support you and they were running around in the back in the warm-up. It's like getting you carbs, getting electrolytes, getting you fucking, you know, anything that you kind of forgot. It's like, we always had chocolate muffins, dude. When I think powerlifting, I think chocolate muffins. Like we had this, one of our mates, Mrs. would always stop by. Like we had uh, like a Woolworths, it's kind of like a Costco's or whatever it is. It's like, and she would buy these giant packs of chocolate muffins. It's like when any competition you went to, there were just these two or three packets of 24 packet, uh, 24 in a packet each of chocolate muffins, biltong and dried mango. That's, that is what as a coach, listen, it was the worst experience on your digestive <laughs> system and the toilet was destroyed the next day. It's like, that's what you lived on dry mango, biltong and chocolate muffins. And then BCAs in a, in like a, a two liter bottle of, of water. And we just like chugging on that, getting lifters ready, running around. It's like, and I fucking loved it. It's like, that's probably one of the, the biggest things that I miss as a strength coach. It's like, I miss competitions because I had more fun I was probably the most stressed of my life, but it's like a weekend of competition or a nationals. I would lose two, oh, no more, three to four kilograms in body weight, just from the amount of like stress running around, not being able to eat, getting lifters ready. Like I loved it. Like smacking people. Oh man. If you ever need a crack, I'll happily give you a smack happily. It's just, and that's, all part of the environment it's all part of the team like and none of that would have been possible without those friday sessions those the team the squad getting behind everyone it's like we were your athletics team in a, the pursuit of an individual's strength it's like it, it, it's golden and you don't yeah. get those in any commercial gyms and that's the sad fucking thing 
I'm cracking up because uh, like the food association that you have with that. So mine is uh, donuts and football games on Friday night. Uh, so one of one of the guys' moms, I think every game for the four years of high school, every single morning would bring a dozen donuts to us and just right on the box, like kick their ass, fuck them up, like all this shit. <laughs> and before school started, be like 830, she'd drive up, dropping them off. She'd give me the box. She's like, hand these out to everybody. And and like pull me closer to the car and she'd be like listen now if you don't kick their ass tonight i'm gonna come down from the stadium i was like i know loretta we go we've gone over this for four years i know but it's hilarious that you have that association because that's like a box of donuts is mine with football because every every friday night game or that morning she'd bring it and we'd have the same conversation, conversation. yeah but but yeah it really is it really is um, that, you know, it, even though it's an individual sport, that it is it is that environment and that supportive supportive team and just the supportive group that, that takes care of all these other factors, whether it's at the session, whether it's at the competition, that it's just these un... It really is a culture, a culture and a cult, um, but, but it is, really is a culture that's developed from it because... Like just hearing you talk about it, I'd imagine you were the exact same way at meets or competitions as I am. Like, like I get more nervous coaching people than I ever do competing. 100%. Yeah, hundred percent. I give zero yeah. shits. I'm like, okay, like I know what I can do, and I'm I'm good here. Like I'm good in my headspace. Other people, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. Hundred percent. Like I, I just had the natural. I call it like the BMT. It's like without tooting my own horn. It's like I, whatever was put on the bar is like I'm going to get it. It's like, and I think I wanted to touch on this, and I came down to um, those past with like your coaches and stuff, and it's, and it's something that's instilled in me as a coach. And I say this like everyone that I coach. It's like I will never put something on the bar that I know you can't do. And that was the same like you know Darren shouting at me and telling me not to be a little bitch. Like that was his way of being like, this weight is something that you can do. It's like, I would never encourage you to do the weight that I know you can't do. And I think that like that came and, and is inevitable as to the excess of where I managed to go as a lifter. And as the same as like all of my clients in terms of being able to train and like pushing them and getting them to, to understand that whatever weight we prescribe or whatever weight we put on the bar for competition, it's like, we're not doing that because we thumb sucked it out of the air it's like we know what you're capable of it's like you've just got to get out of your own way for that type of stuff and it's like that's why i find like coaching someone is so fucking stressful because i can't control their mind i can't i can't literally get that thought of like fuck i'm gonna fail or this is gonna nail me or it's like i'm it's i'm not gonna stand back up i just knew as a competitor it's like whatever's on the bar is like i'm standing back up with it no matter what happens like i'm standing back up it's like that's you know, the nerves wasn't there. Like the nerves are always there, but it's not like enough that you shit yourself type scenario, but it was always okay. But I, I know exactly what you mean. You watch someone start like pulling off the deadlift and you're like, Oh fuck, it's not going to go. It's not. Like, like, you just. Stop. That's yeah. also the like bad thing is like 
having the answer just just because you know your lifter well enough or you know yeah your athlete well enough that like you're picking up on these subtle cues that like right before it even goes off the floor you know like oh fuck nah fuck yep. but but i also like the point that you know that i think that's part of the artistry of coaching is you never you're never going to put your lifter or your athlete in a position where they're not going to be successful it's you know they can be successful in that it's just that variable or that factor of are they going to allow themselves to be and I think sometimes like that's where good coaches come across is if if now they can be that sounding voice that gives permission to the athlete or gets them out of their own head where they trust in you so much that if you're saying I can do this I believe yeah, do it. I believe in you more than I believe in myself to have that yeah. relationship though. Like that, that truly is like the artistry and like, that's the, an example of an amazing coach whenever they've instilled that trust in their athlete and their competitor that they have more faith in what the coaches are telling Same. them. Yeah. Than more than themselves. Than yeah, exactly. And it is. And like, but that's what I miss. I think I miss that part of like being able to coach and like the face-to-face coaching and like being in those environments. It's like I miss the fact that you can call someone's lift and they like trust you wholeheartedly. Like not, not from an ego thing, but it's just like, that's, that was the community. And it, I think that's the whole point of this. Like it comes back to the community. And I think that's the difference. And we've seen, and we've discussed it, but that's like the difference between like myself, you, Jordan, Killian, it's like the whole group of guys that are around us, like Stu, Stu's the best one for this. It's like, that's why like we're good at what we do. And we talk about like skin in the game. It's like, we have skin in the game because of this communal aspect. Now I've seen coaches come up and I, you know, I'm not throwing shade or anything like that, but there's such a difference in a coach who's come up from that community and come up in that environment from a coach who comes up in a virgin active, a private gym, a, I don't even know what you guys have. Genesis. Do you have a Genesis? What do you yeah, have, we have there? Genesis. Genesis. That's the one. It's like, like a coach like that, like it's completely different. So even, even to a certain extent, like good life, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's not, it's different. They can be like so smart, so clever, like be able to communicate with their coach, their clients, et cetera, et cetera. It's like they're missing that, that, that spark from that communal aspect of, I think just fucking suffering through powerlifting, like to understand that it's like, it's the skin in the game that is very different. It's not just the reps and the sets of like your, your standard clients in a commercial setting. And it's interesting to see the difference in, in t- certain trainers from that perspective. No shade at all, but it's just like you can see the difference between like someone who can grind through the work that needs to be done. And I see that I, I pick up on that from that side versus like a commercial trainer who you watch the clients almost like not do that or not be able to push through it sometimes. Yeah. And, and you know, I think from the training coaching perspective on it, I think it really it really is that the clients can pick up in that on that mentality or like the the vibes that you give off and if if you haven't been in that experience like it, it's just a mentality that i think it's very very hard to come upon outside of that environment or outside of a competition setting that that pushes you to a point of like okay are you going to fucking do this or not 
Like, yeah. it, you know, it's like whenever all, all other factors are taken away, like it's, it's just you against yourself a little bit. Like, yeah, there, there's going to be some performance based component of it that like keeps track if you want, or if you lifted the weight or anything, but like, honestly, it's that fight against your own mentality or your own self of like, Hey, are you going to, you going to yeah. lift this weight or not? Like, I don't care uh, how you feel. Even like, you know, your, your, your program says five by five. And it's like, you do five by four. It's like, you, you got to call yourself up on that, that bullshit. It's like being in that environment or, or, and this is the good segue into like training partners. It's like, if you have a good training partner, like he's going to make sure you do five by five. He's not going to be like, it's okay. So just do four. We'll do five next week. It's like, no, fucking get out of the bar, get it done. It's like, that's what's called for on the program. It's like, that's what needs to happen. And it's what it's a big thing that I tend to suggest, even if it's a commercial gym to a certain extent, like I mentor some coaches and like, you'll probably, I don't know if you do this with your guys. It's like, I encourage a lot of the guys under the mentorship. It's like to not train where they work. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. and that's yeah. and that's yeah. f- for so many reasons one obviously like keep it separate it's like you're not going to get distracted on that it's like also go learn it's like go get into a powerlifting gym like a, a a grungy fucking dungeon like walk into a dungeon and go and train at a dungeon and you'll start to understand how much or one how much of a little bitch you actually are and two how much like knowledge you can gain and how much you can do with so little because obviously, like standard powerlifting gyms don't have a hack squat machine in it and don't have <laughs> the latest prime row sitting there. And it's like, you know what really puts on mass? It's like learning how to orientate yourself properly and do a barbell row. It's not the best according to muscle fibers, but trust me, you can put on some fucking good size, way more size than the prime seated row if you have to. So it's like, it, you know, it goes against everything we, well, not goes against everything we teach, but it's like, it's a base philosophy or principle. It's like, you can gain so much from so little. It's like, so go put yourself in those environments. Go understand what community is. Because like, if you can take one little percentage of that community and start creating that community, maybe around with your clients, like pushing them that 1% extra, you know, I'm not saying break your clients, but it's also it's like, sometimes your clients are going to come in there and just be whiny little like people so push them learn how to say the right things appropriately because usually powerlifting gyms are not very um appropriate <laughs> in telling you that you were just whining <laughs> I, the, the amount of times i was just like i wasn't i don't want to say i was known for whining because that makes me sound terrible it was like <laughs> like darren oh, darren was more injured than me other than the fact that he had no surgeries but darren like darren's back was bad and like his bones had been ridden from like, he started weightlifting at like 14 plus then all his other sports. It's like the dude couldn't even get into a front rack position properly. So do you know what he did? He just didn't get into a front rack position. So he would like, he'd do cleans and then he'd stop here and then put the weight back down. I'm like, what the fuck? Like he cleaned. He's known in South Africa for cleaning from like one of the three people in South Africa at like 80 kilos or 85 or something like that for cleaning 200 from the blocks. It's like, that was the best. We've only recently had the first person clean and jerk 200 kilos and that's Gordon Shaw. But it's like, that's what he was known for. And he was a fucking animal at it. And he was a thick skinned Lebanese boy, just like, just, just an animal. And Josh, who like was my 
um, like the person I mentored under and kind of like got me through everything. It's like, he was his best mate. Like they were roommates together. It's like, they trained together. They did everything together. It's like, so the mentality was the same. So it's like, whatever we did, it was a fuck yeah or no scenario. It's like, I find that mentality doesn't happen in commercial gyms. It's like, it's almost impossible for that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think it, it's, you know, there, there's too many people, too many different people that come into it, but also it's, it's a environment that's meant to be more inclusive and that's completely fine. Power left. There's, there's a certain mentality that goes into those gyms and you know exactly what I'm talking about, but, but yeah, a couple of things I wanted to hit on that you brought up was first off for personal and professional development. I completely agree that, that you need to get out of your own work environment and go to other gyms, learn from it, that if you're ever in a space where you're the strongest or the smartest, leave that space. Yeah, go somewhere that exactly that you were not because you you need that development you need to learn that it's only going to benefit you and it's only going to like help you be a better trainer help you be a better coach um the other thing i wanted to touch on as far as with training partners and i guarantee you know this mentality too but there's like with a training partner, it's, it's so beneficial because it is that other person to, to push you and like get feedback and kind of like build a rapport with and everything. But there's also an inherently like built in competition between you and whoever, whoever you're lifting with. And it doesn't have to be the same weight. Like, I think that's, that's something that that's lost on a lot of people is you don't have to be lifting the same weight as your training partner. Like, weight comes off real easy it's not that big of a deal but something i think about whenever i'm like just a little thing and, it, and it's it's because you like the person and you want to push them so it's never out of like a bad bad place that it comes to but also it's a little bit like fuck you so like something i'll, I'll catch myself doing sometimes is how quickly i'll go after the the my training partner will lift how quickly I'll go after them to put it back on them. Yeah. yeah almost, almost like chess. It's chess. Yeah. Yeah. You just tap the timer and be like, your turn. <laughs> you know, I, I'm laughing so much this because I immediately start thinking about something. So <laughs> myself and Josh used to bench together or deadlift together sometimes. So Josh was bulking at the time and he was like trying to touch on like the one twenties and I'm like 77 kilos at the time. It's like, <laughs> that's the comparison. I was trying to bulk as well. I went from 74 to 77. I was like, yes, <laughs> I eventually hit like 85. It was amazing. But um, the funniest thing would be is like, we would compete for who would go last in your warmups or like when you were deadlifting and stuff purely to add one extra rep to what the person had done. So it's like, if Josh had to like, if, he had, if his main sets, for example, were like 200 for five like reps, it's like, I would try my hardest to go after him and then go, I'd do 200 for six. <laughs> and the sixth rep was always like slow and like looking over your shoulder directly at them. And then I was like, <laughs> Let's make I, did one, I did one more than you. <laughs> and you know what? Like that's all a joke. And like, yeah, you know, it's fun all, but that shit breeds like competition. It's like, oh fuck, that dude did one more than me. It's like, now I have to go heavier. Now I have to do more. Now like it, it's, 
it's um, positive competition. You've got to do it. It's like, I love the idea of like, you get off the bench fast and they do It's like, fuck, I can't recover. Oh, I gotta get, like, that's exactly <laughs> it. It's like, yeah. It's like my, my biggest one that I used to try and like throw in, it, it's the, it's the low dig completely, but it's always like we'd bench or something. And, you know, I, in that time I was working in the, like the, um, in the shirt. So like I was starting to build up to like a pretty decent bench. Like I, I was probably sitting in like the one eighties, one nineties at like 78. It's like, here I am with like Josh and, and Darren who are respectively around a hundred to, you know, 105 kilos. And like, they're working at the same weight as me. And all it would be like, I'm 30 kilos less than you. Like it's the, it's the funniest thing. It's like, and you see, you see the flip in their, their head, like fuck. And like, there'd suddenly be an extra like 40 kilos on the bar and like over 200. Now I'm like, fuck, I can't bench that. It's fucking, yeah. I'm going to give it a fucking try though. It's like, and that's it's, how I bench 200 in a shirt. It's well, like, and, <laughs> and it's, it's those small little digs too, that like it, it is positive competition. Like it's something of, how quickly can I get my set done? So now my, it's all my partner to have to do this quick because fuck rest times. Or, you know, it's it's going, like if you're doing bench with somebody, it's somebody that did a tap and go off their chest. Now pause. It to set, yeah. <laughs> you, but you the long pause and if you can look at them at the same time, like if they're like, it's the biggest dig. And, and so much of that is an environment that, that unless you're in it, you're never going to experience it. I forget, I forget how long they fucking did this, but Phil, his training partner, Austin, and then um, Gina, one of the power lifters at the gym. So they were all running the same program. And <laughs> so I want to say it was like eight or 10 weeks that they did this, but basically he had an wraps on squat every single week until one of them beat him. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It sounds terrible. It sounds terrible. And you slightly kind of want to do it now. And, yeah, well, I, I sat there and I was like, I've done Anrap squat programs before. I, I, I don't want to do that. Like I'm sitting here, but oh man, maybe yeah. that's what I need yeah. to do with my life. It's like, that's why my hips so fucked. <laughs> Anrap squat programs. But you know, it was something like that where like on the last set, it was, it was this, but you could just see the competition and, and it would get to a point because again, all their weights were completely different, but you started even seeing a team up with like Gina and Austin. They were like, one of us have to fucking do this. And like, and you, <laughs> so who's sacrificing it this week? Exactly. Who's not walking? And you see like, you see the little strategies that now go into the sets even of like, okay, where, you know, I might typically just wear knee sleeves. I'm going to start wrapping every set now, you know, just little things like that. Like what edge can I get on? And, and it's good though. It's so good for like the development of like what you're trying to do. I, I genuinely believe that. It's like, and that's the sad thing. Like the commercial gyms are great because they're inclusive, like you said, and they have, you know, most of them these days have really cool machines. And like, if you know what you're doing, you can like, you can buy a certain positions and like really gain a lot and, and, develop a really good physique or you know corrective exercise strategy or, or whatever you're trying to accomplish from that side but at the same time you lose out on like the pursuit of strength and it's like at the end of the day you know yes everyone's gonna say no i'm not into you know the powerlifting side but it's like we're all trying to get stronger like mm -hmm. that's 
what we're trying to do. Like, I'm not saying you're trying to go and inhale half a bottle of fucking nose talk and like try and rip the bar off the floor. It's like, I've done that. It's not that fun. It's like ammonium is not great. It's like, it's used it's for when you get, <laughs> no, it's like it, it wakes you when you're completely faint, like faint and unconscious. It's like it does amazing things for you. If you're just about to pull a PB, it's like, I'm not expecting that. And imagine if you had to see that at a commercial gym, Oh my, f- they'd lose their minds. It's like most commercial gyms lose their shit. If you drop the weight from a deadlift to the floor, that's like, it. so I think, and it's actually, it's actually something I take into account. And maybe it's just not just from the equipment perspective, but like the environment. It's like when a client signs up for, with me, it's like, I want to know where they're training. Mm-hmm. I want to know, like, do they have access to training partners? Do they have access to people who can spot them? Because it's like, if I'm going to, you know, send you into AMRAPs or like top sets or like, you know, 90% of your one RMs, it's like, I want to know that someone's going to be there. It's like, it's a factor that not a lot of people think about. Because if you don't think about that, and if you don't have a spotter, I'm 100% sure that your 90% that you're going to give me as like the person who walks into Virgin Active and does their little squats is not your true 90%. It's probably like an 80, 85. It's like you have someone who's standing behind you and is like confidently telling you that they've got you. It's like you're going to add five to seven kilos easily on your back squat like you just know because you've got that person whether it's a training partner whether it's from their environment that's that's there it's the four people that's sitting at the squat rack like one on the mono like the handle one behind you it's your main spot and it's like your side spots it's like they're all there to make sure that you get this lift it's like when you walk into the commercial gym and you put your gym bag down and like maybe the power act because most gyms seem to have power acts these days because of insurance it's like you know that you can like there's no one, there's no one pushing you. And it's difficult. It, it's mm-hmm. extremely difficult to like get to your utmost best when you've got no one to push you other than your coach you check in with weekly, daily, whatever it is. Even that to a certain extent, it doesn't, it's it's not the same. Yeah. And and I think if you know, if you're exploring or on the edge of your borders, like training alone you almost have to inherently tiptoe across that line. Whereas if you have that support and you have those spotters or training partner, you can leap because you have support if you fail. And, you know, they're like, there's also some in these environments, sometimes you do some things a little dumb. Um, like j- just to test those borders a little bit, because, because having, again, having that support there, there's a small margin of error that you can have with spotters and support that you, you can work through or grind through because if something fucks off, they're there to help it. Um, it's also times where like, again, uh, don't do as I say, um, but like there's been some times where I've gone in and just because of that fucking mentality um, of having a, if you fail, you die. So there's, there might've been a time or two where uh, I've gone and done squats that might've been above where my previous max was. And, and like just relying on that mentality of like, you don't get to not get this. 
Yeah. There's, there's a lot of people watching as well. It's like, well, <laughs> what's the worst that happens? That's it, we that have, doesn't uh, happen anywhere else. We have the saying in the gym um, that if uh, if any of us are in there, like just lifting by ourselves because of schedule or whatever, they're like, well, if you come in and uh, find the bar has crushed me, make sure you put more weight on before you tell anybody. <laughs> 100% add some plates just add plates always add plates yeah That's and, it. and with that you know with again it i i don't want it to come across that there's not advantages of lifting in a commercial gym i just think for coaches and trainers both of us would agree that finding that small diamond in the rough like rusty bar no ac gym as a coach and a trainer can be so beneficial because it gets you outside of an environment that either you're not used to and haven't experienced or it's one that maybe at one point you did experience and like it can be a great reminder of of what gyms can be and what that environment can hold even if it's those little things of support for the lifters of you know turning the music up and everybody stopping what they're doing just to just to watch it there's one thing that um i really in, almost fell in love with uh with uh how phil runs the gym so we talked about it with commercial gyms um during the new years like january is the big time where they try to get all their new memberships and everything like that phil does the exact opposite at strengthfield he won't let anybody get a gym membership during january it's either you either get it in december or you have to wait till february to start working out there he will not let new people come during that time because you know it's as simple as if you're not going to do it now you're not going to do it then yeah it's it's the perfect strategy to weed that out i think it's brilliant if i ever open up a gym that's exact that's the philosophy i'm gonna i'll call it the fill the fill the new year full strength program it's like you only start in february this is how it works and with that, you know, it's, there is some freedom that comes with, with having your own private gym, not only with the hours, because that's another thing too, is any of these gyms we talk about, they have set time. Like it's not, it's not the 24 hour thing that you're finding this no. shit. It's like, no, you have this three hour block that you can come and lift here and everybody is coming and lifting here. So there, yeah. you know, there, there's a freedom in in how you in the environment that you can create but it's also helped facilitated by those more block schedules that brings everybody in and because now there's it's a difference between um the individual that has a 24-hour membership and can kind of can go to the gym based off their schedule to now in these environments it becomes a commitment where yeah hey the only time you get a lift is right here. So figure your schedule out because yep. this is what matters. And and it, it almost automatically puts that like importance on it. So it's like, you know, like I, I spoke about, it's like we knew Fridays from three o'clock was like team day. So you know what happened? Everyone on the team put that in as a meeting. So it's like, no matter what the commitment was there, it's not like, oh, I'll go train later. And then later comes along and like the girls have gone out for drinks. And it's like, no, like, like we had like high, high up execs and CEOs book out the afternoon to come in and lift on the team. It's like from three o'clock. 
It's like no one went out on a Friday and like went and chilled. It's like Fridays were huge, big fucking like lift sessions. And then Saturdays were strong, man. And that's just kind of how that happened. Like it, it was, but as you're saying it, like it automatically creates the commitment to the fact of like, you've decided to train here. You're going to give it everything. It's like, you know, that your time slot available is your three hours in the afternoon or so. So you're going to make sure that your whole life schedule is booked around that versus having access to the 24 seven to kind of go when you want to. Now I think, you know, we've kind of like slated 24-7 gyms here or like commercial gyms, but I think there is there is benefit to them sometimes. Yeah. Um, like I mean, we, we would, you and I have trained in them. Both of both, us have had memberships to them. Exactly. And I think, you know, like I used to use, while I was still training at the yard and like training in these facilities, it's like I still had a 20, like a commercial gym membership because that would take me out of the space that you know was so hardcore etc and i could go and do accessory works i could go and work on like what we've been discussing now it's like i can go and work on some of the dysfunctions like they have machines that if you know what you're doing you can actually use them to your advantage to help your main lifts it's like not a lot of true powerlifting gyms are gonna have you know cable machines they're not really gonna have um, any form of plate loaded machine or even like pin loaded stuff so it's like if you program really smartly and you know what you're doing, you can use both of them to your advantage. It's like you can get the communal aspect for your main lifts. You can get a lot of work done and actually get, you know, a benefit out of the main goal and then still use the commercial gym and be able to, you know, benefit from both aspects, I think. Yeah. And um, yeah, kind of, you know, reflecting on, on some of those, like something else I'll say for my experience that having like having that option of 24 seven more so gave me an excuse to push times off where like, Oh, I don't have to go right now because so, you know, like whenever my schedule, there were some years where my schedule was just chaotic and I was on your sleep time of barely any, but you know, I'd be, I'd be in the gym at two in the morning because I couldn't sleep or I wasn't doing because it was an option. And I was like, well, I need to go do this and I need to do that. Well, now I'm hungry and I have to eat. So I have to wait some time to even go. And before you know it, it's one or two in the morning. And now I'm going because it was an option where. And that's exactly at- why I have the commercial gym membership <laughs> for that exact reason right now. It's like there's two AM sessions that just happen out of nowhere. Exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So- and and it, it is. So it can be beneficial, um, but it, it's such a different mentality and mindset of that commitment of, no, I'm everything else in my life is going to going to work around this schedule because this is this is whenever I'm prioritizing this gym or this time at the gym to go at this certain time to be in this environment, to be around these people and it's training, but it's so much more than training because there, you know, there's, there's a mentality that goes into it. There's conversations in between the rest periods. There's, there's these different, it, different values that are even instilled in people that are willing to, to put themselves in those situations of that shared suffering that, that you'll find. And that, that for me have been very, very beneficial just being around it. And, and constantly having that reminder and being able to reflect on like shared suffering 
Like there, there's just something, there's just something inherently built into, into those facilities, into that style of training that the people that stick around just get it. Yeah. That's it. Uh, you know, I think that's the, the main takeaway from all this. Like the people who are usually in that shared suffering environments, like they're, most probably going to be the people that you keep around in your life for a very long period of time. If that's what you, you know, if that's the pursuit you're going through, it's like, those are going to be friends that you're going to make for life. They're going to be people that you might land up in business with. It's like the most business connections I've ever made are from these dodgy dungeon powerlifting gyms. It's like, you know, because you know, your values are the same. It's like, you know, your work ethic is the same. So it's like, that's a big thing for me in business. It's like, I don't want to be working with someone who's, you know, half in, half out. It's like, you're in, you know, the chalk filled, non-AC'd, rusted barbell, like environment, but you're putting in the work, you're putting through the grind, like you're pushing the limits. It's like, I'll go to work with that person. I'll sign a business contract with that person because I know that they're going to put in the work. And it's like, and that's lifting. It's like, I think that's, you know, lifting, teaches you those things and like i find like i can judge a person's character according to how they lift it's like you know the the guy at the commercial gym who comes from a background of these communal gyms it's like you can see them you can see them when they're working you can see when they they're squatting you can see when they're benching you can see when they're deadlifting it's like it's not just like it's not uh, eight by eight or it's like an rp8 that they've decided on their programs like it's a true rp8 it's like whether they were here or in the environment with like three people around them it's like they're giving the same amount of effort so i think you know it, the takeaway i suppose with many of these takeaways are this it's like if you have the ability to get into an environment that has this old school mentality fucking do it jump in there as, as much as you can get involved like, you know, like you talk to Phil a lot, like in terms of programming and like business and all those types of things. Like, where would you be without that? It's like, how, how would you have even got those connections? How would you even have started thinking along those mindsets without getting into that environment? It's like, it's not just training. It's a, a shared community from suffering, from like experiences, from life. That's just going to be, benefit you in the long run from all of that. Yeah, absolutely. It's just... It's just compounding factors of life lessons through all different aspects that we can we can look at <clears throat> we can look at and appreciate. Because what's the saying? How you do one thing is how you do it's everything. How you do everything. It's and, my, my, and it's that's I live by that. True, saying, man. <laughs> it's true though. It is, hundred percent. It's it's you know you see it in lifting, you see it in business, you see it in you know the way you walk your dog. Like I just. It, I use, like I overuse that saying to a certain perspective. It's like, it's that true to me. It's like integrity lands up being one of my highest values because of not just that saying, but that's just how I am. So it's like, when I walk into a gym, like I want to see people upholding forms of integrity. It's like, you put your weights away. You, it, it's, the, it's like, we haven't even touched on those types of things. But it's like okay. commercial gym. Like that's a whole- There goes another hour. There goes another hour. <laughs> but it's like, you know, like integrity is so big to me. It's like, I, I, to give you an example, one of the gyms that I went to here, I won't name them, but like when I was doing my gym whoring, it's like, I went and had looked like the equipment was pretty okay. Like some of the cables were needed maintenance and, you know, little things like that. 
and uh, like the gym manager phoned me up like the next day and he's like, how did you like the facility? You know, like, can we sign you up? And I was like, to be a hundred percent honest, man, like, no, it's like your gym environment is shit. It's like, there's no integrity around your members. Like the place looks like uh, it's dirty. It's like weights are lying around everywhere. It's like, and I understand that that happens at commercial gyms. I do. It's like, I'm not naive to that fact, but it's like, no one values the space. So it's like, why would I put myself as the person that I am and like the way that I uphold my values and where I've come from? It's like, I'm not going to inject myself into a space that can't do that. So it's like, as great as the facility might be, it's like your values are obviously shit. And that can come down to staff members. That can come down to management. That can come down to just the people that you attract. It's like, so I'm not going to do that. So I went and signed up with a gym where it's like, the, the equipment's good. Like the weights are put away. Like the staff are great. It's like people uphold themselves. They w- walk around with, you know, some form of integrity from that. So it's like, cool. That's where I want to be. It's like, that's the environment that we grew up with. It's like, you put your weights away. You respect the bar. It's like, you, you, you'll never see me touch a bar with my foot. It's like, so that's an old school Russian weightlifting thing. It's like, if you touch the barbell, with your foot, like if you, you know, like if you move the barbell, it's like if you touch the barbell with your foot, the weightlifting coach and like with Russia would kick you out the fucking gym because it's like, that's how much you respect your tool. It's like, a, a, it's one of the weirdest things that's like ingrained in me from that side. It's like, I'll never do that. Like I see someone like kick the ball with their foot. in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it, and it's just one of those things, but it's like, I wouldn't have that value. I wouldn't have that mentality if I wasn't, I didn't come up from one of these types of environments. And I think that's, that's, we need more of that. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge factor to recognize in, in, you know, put your, not only uphold that value for yourself, you're setting a standard, but also it's where you're putting your time and money into that, that there's a lot of of time. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of energy going into that. And so being able to recognize those things early it pays dividends down the road. Like here, here's another one that I think of is tell me the last time that you were in a gym environment or like a commercial gym environment training hard that not only did you have spotters or like someone there helping you, but guess what helped you put weight up afterwards because you know what sucks whenever you suffered and you're exhausted, you're just looking at the bar and you're like, there's a lot of plates on there. But like yeah. unspoken people are like, yeah, that fucking sucked. Let's uh let's unrack this together. Let's, you yeah. know, just just slide in place, like don't have to ask about it. And then and then you pay that forward with somebody else. Like, oh, that was a tough set. You're done. Okay, cool. And it's just grabbing plates, packing them and it's funny you funny you said it like on, on Saturday I went and trained oh just before we went into lockdown again. And like some dude was on like a hammer strength row or whatever, and I was like, Hey man, can I jump in? We jumped in. I finished my three sets. He still added another one. Like I waited around. He's like, Hey, like you got another set. I was like, no, 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 I'm waiting for you to finish. So I can help you unpack. And he like looked at me like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, no, no, no. that's the respectful thing. It's like, I jumped in with you to like do some work. It's like, I'm going to wait for you to finish. And then we'll put the weights away. And this dude looked at me and he's like, what the, like, couldn't, couldn't (laughs) comprehend what was going on. And I was like, "It, it sounds so strange, but it's like that, there comes from the environments we grew up in from from strength training absolutely yeah it's it's respecting your environment but then also it's it's respecting the people in the gym that it's not just your space it's a shared space and through that like through putting up your equipment through 
cleaning it off through making sure that you're not leaving a mess the, from helping, even helping people unrack their weights and putting it up. Like it, it all speaks to a greater purpose and a greater culture that's ingrained into those environments. And plus, just from the lifting side of it, how awesome is it whenever somebody helps you take off? Like, so it's yeah, just, it's, it's just like, like heaven. It's like, it's just, it's just that much better. <laughs> you can find your lungs and catch your lungs. You're like, I don't have to take this, this 10 kilo plate, which feels like a 25 for some fucking reason. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, just like, I know for me, whenever that happens, especially on squats, like it's, it's such a little thing, but even that I don't have to walk across the rack <laughs> to go back and forth and unload it. So the bar doesn't tip. Yeah, exactly. That's a, <laughs> you're right. hundred percent. Right. Yeah, man. Uh-huh. Good. Yeah, old. So- we're not just, we're not just meatheads fucking walking around the gym. We do have some sophistication. I think that's the key thing. It's like, yeah, there's some thought that goes into it. So much uh, more than meets the eye, I think. But yeah, um, I think we'll kind of bring this into landing. But yeah, I think uh, to kind of reiterate some of the points, the from this conversation, like a big one for me is if you're a coach, if you're a trainer, look at the environment that you're training in. And if you have the opportunity, even, you know, it doesn't have to be in your hometown that, that not all of us are lucky enough to, to have a gym that we can, you know, drive five to 10 miles and go to that sometimes you have to travel for, and that's okay. Like it, it might not be your constant gym, but even, even finding like a Friday, a Saturday that you can go and put yourself in, around those people to make those connections, to just take that environment. in. like it, it, it instills, it can instill something so different from what you might be used to and and just getting getting that perspective and getting the opportunity to like look at some of these look at the culture look at the environment that's created and like some some of the values that come along with it and taking in those interactions and if that's something that you connect with you need I would say you almost need to, you need to seek that out and find a way that you can have that more in your life. Again, even if it's not in your own town, be willing to search that out, be willing to travel and, you know, maybe you do it once a month even, or, you know, every other month, whatever, like wherever the distance is, but just seeking that out and put, putting yourself in an environment that, that you can look at the group as a whole and a different culture, a different environment of yourself and potentially be around people that value fitness and training as much as you do, that it is that community of shared suffering. It's hundred percent. I think that's the great summer, summaration, summary, whatever. We'll count it. Everything. Words. That's the one. Words, words. Yeah. Man, right. just Do it. Get All right, involved. man. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Get involved, get out, be willing to be uncomfortable and be willing to suffer a little bit. Yeah, man. Appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for coming. We'll definitely have to do this again. Yeah. Shots at the internet about something else.